Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HR Works COVID-19 Update. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us today. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. In this episode, we're going to discuss screen time headaches. An organization called TheraSpecs found that the ordinary 11 hours a day spent in front of digital screens has now increased by three hours a day. Uh, that gives us, if my math is correct, 14 hours of screen time a day on average per person. That much screen time uh, has a lot of potential problems, and we are pleased to have with us Dr. Sharice Lichman to discuss the issue. Sharice Lichman, MD, FAHS, is a neurologist, headache specialist, and medical advisor to Norex. She received her undergraduate degree at Wesleyan University and her medical degree at Yale School of Medicine. After completing her internship at Yale New Haven Hospital, she completed her neurology residency at Cornell New York Hospital. She began a solo private practice in general neurology and became board certified in headache medicine in 2008. She left her private practice in 2018 to become faculty at Yale, where she is currently assistant professor of clinical neurology. Sharice has published articles in headaches and multiple cirrhosis and edited the first textbook on a rare soft tissue tumor. She has earned a certificate in medical editing and writing from the University of Chicago. Sharice has three children and lives in Connecticut with her husband, Mark, and her two dogs. Thank you so much, Sharice, for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Um, 14 hours of screen time a day. What could possibly be the issue with that? <laughs> well, there are many issues. Uh, first, of course, is that you're fixating with your eyes. Your eyes are getting dry, and uh, that's going to add to some headaches. Um, the most uh, significant uh, contributor to headaches would be that you're having you're being exposed to blue light. Uh, blue light, we're exposed to it everywhere, but you, there's more of it uh, emitted from all screens, whether it's your computer or your phone, um, and that triggers migraines. Um, and that's a very big factor. The longer you're on the screen, the longer you're going to be exposed to it. Uh, you're also keeping your neck cocked in the same position for a long period of time, and a lot of headaches and migraines uh, emanate from the neck. So that's going to increase the chance of headaches. Further, um, you know, the more screen time means the less activity, uh, which is going to, you know, increase your chance of headaches, uh, decrease uh, hydration, missing meals, or just trying to grab anything. And really above everything else, increased stress, right? Why are we on the screens more? We're on the screens more because uh, everything has changed in the world. The world is upside down. Uh, we're on the screens, but we're caring for our kids. We're trying to get you know, a workload from 12 hours into four hours. And uh, stress is one of the biggest triggers for migraines and other types of headaches. We did an episode on migraines. Um, and you know, one of the things that uh, a while ago, pre-COVID, one of the things that struck me was how common they are. Um, do you mind just sharing with us how common this uh, affliction is? It's incredibly common and very much under-addressed until recently. So it's the third leading cause of disability in the world. Um, wow. 18% uh, of women will suffer from migraines at some point in their lifetime. Uh, that's one in six women. Uh, you also have, you know, a small proportion of men that are affected as well. And those are just the ones we know about because most people don't even come to attention. There's stigma against headache being even a legitimate concern, you know, um, one probably just because of how common they are. I mean, every almost everybody's had one in their life. I did recently read that there's a small percentage of people that never experience headaches. Aren't they lucky? Um, 
And it just seems like one of those things like, well, okay, just power through it. No big deal. And I think it's important to understand that it's not quite quite as simple as that, right? Well, there are a number of reasons. Uh, one is that uh, this is largely a woman's disorder, right? A much larger uh, amount of women are afflicted with it. Uh, no offense. Women tend to power through things and keep going. And, no offense taken. Um women also are not necessarily taken serious as seriously by their physicians when they're complaining about pain. You know, think about the state of medicine. You know, you go into your primary care doctor and you have 10 minutes to talk about your high blood pressure, your diabetes, your thyroid problems, migraines last on the list and last thing that they care about. And they may just toss something like some fewer set, which is the wrong way. It's not appreciated how much of uh, an impact this has on life. Uh, it affects the quality of life of people. It increases depression, um, but it also has a huge socioeconomic uh, impact on the country. Um, mm. The other issue is that it's gotten uh, to, ha- it, it, there's some guilt because when somebody has a migraine, it not only affects them, but it affects their children, it affects their coworkers, it affects their husband or their wife. And so there's a guilt. And so there's a lot of minimizing that's going on. But in in the field of medicine, I also think that there was less recognition because there was less we could do about it. And it wasn't until 1992 when we came out with the very first medication that was designed specifically for migraines, which made it much more effective. Um, And then there were no new medications from 1992 until 2017 that were specifically for migraines. But since 2017, there have been at least four classes of medications that have come out and they've revolutionized the care of medicine, I mean, of headaches, and women and men who suffer from headaches need to understand this is not your mother's or your grandmother's headache. We can stop your headaches. We can reduce your headaches. There's health out there. You just need to insist on it. You need to feel empowered that you can do better. But the most important thing is that you need to make sure you find a provider who is aware of all these new um, things that are coming out. Not every primary care doctor, not every neurologist knows how to treat a headache or a migraine. Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering a little bit more, you know, the conversation I had was with a, um, I spoke to a, a doctor and I also spoke to a, someone that worked in TV. She was a news anchor. And, uh, you know, under these bright lights all day when she's doing her job and just talking about, you know, you mentioned sort of the socioeconomic issues. I mean, she was doing very well, but the the bright lights really aggravated her condition, you know, and the stress of the job aggravated it. And I just remember her talking about how all she wanted to do was just go lie down in a dark room. And she was forced to you know, she was lucky enough to have a, a leader, uh, a boss that understood the issue. Ultimately, she was able to get them to understand and, and accommodate her a little bit. But that's hardly the common case. And I think part of what part of what makes it so problematic, uh, other than the fact that it disproportionately affects women who uh, have lots of other challenges when it comes to rising in the workplace, is that it, it's really stress activated, right? It is stress activated. So we have to make a distinction of what underlies a migraine and what triggers a migraine. So um, mood disorders, including anxiety and depression, are comorbid with migraines. 
What that means is that they tend to go along with each other in general. So if you suffer from migraines, you're more likely to suffer from mood disorders and vice versa. So it's not that, oh, she's got a headache because she's depressed. The reason is that they have a common basis, and that is a drop in the serotonin levels in the brain, which is the basis for both mood disorders and migraines. However, if you are predisposed to migraines, then stress is a huge trigger. Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, um, you know, I have my fair share of anxiety. You know, you you have an event, you know, something important's coming up or you have a busy week. It stresses you out, makes you anxious. That anxious makes it harder to do your work, which makes it more anxious. <laughs> and that, you know, any one instance maybe isn't a huge deal, but the cumulative over time effect that that can have on someone's life and someone's career um, can be devastating. Absolutely. Um, and the sad thing is that people begin to expect that this is part of their life. And they, you know, they, they incorporate it into their plans. They have their contingency plans. You know, maybe I won't go on that vacation because, you know, there's free alcohol there and I'm going to have more headaches or, you know, I'm not going to commit to that dinner party or to that work trip. Um, And what's the most exciting thing about being about a headache expert is to take somebody who's a non-believer. They come into your office. They don't think that life can ever get better. And then they come back after they've had their successful treatment and, oh my God, I have my life back. I don't, I never knew what it was like to have a day without a migraine. Um, so that, you know, there, there's a huge impact. It affects every aspect of life. What advice would you have for employers to help them understand, you know, the scope of the problem and what they could do to better support their employees? Well, I think that, Uh, employers need to understand that um, migraines are as much of a medical illness as is, uh, you know, diabetes, as is high blood pressure, as is, you know, a seizure disorder. And when a, uh, an employee calls out sick, it needs to be validated. But beyond that, there are work accommodations that can be made, um, a, a better desk, you know, a desk that where you can stand or move around, uh, frequent breaks, um, a reduced fluorescent lighting, um, and allowing the person to take an hour to go lie down somewhere, take their medication, and then they'll be able to, you know, they may be able to complete their day. But the main thing is to validate. And I think that if a, mig- a migraineur is validated, And if they have their treatment plan in hand, if I get a headache, I take A, B, or C, and I am confident I'll be able to break it, then that reduces the stress of even the fear of getting a headache. So, you know, the employers need to take it more seriously, but patients also need to make sure that they get from their providers a plan. What do they do when they get the headache so that they can be more effective to everyone around them? Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Listeners, join us next Friday for the conclusion of this interview where Sharice and I discuss what HR can do to help mitigate this problem. You can always follow us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.